Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Good morning, everybody. It's been a while since I've been able to come and stand behind this pulpit, and I was excited this morning to come and preach to you. It's good to see some faces I haven't seen in a while. Hope you're having a great summer. Hope you're uh, walking with the Lord, most importantly. We've, uh, we worship God at the table. We worship God at song. We worship God in offering. We worship God as a body of Christ, coming together to edify and build one another up. Now we go to the Word of God. Uh, we go to Jonah. Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, what do you know about Jonah besides the fish? Besides the fish. It's not about the fish. Jonah, chapter 1. What does God have to say to us? What does God call us to in His holy word today? Um, Jonah is a, a, a wonderful book. If you are into inductive Bible study, there's no better book in the Old Testament to study than Jonah. Uh, it's a masterpiece of literature. It's, uh, the uh, prophetic genre of literature is in, incredible in its depth. Uh, the repetition of the words, the structure of the text... Uh, I think there's only 48 verses, but it's so incredibly packed uh, artistically and, and full of truth as well. But hear the word of the Lord today in your life. Hear the word of the Lord as he calls us to his perfect will. Chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. And pause there for a moment as we just process the beginning of this book. In the olden times, God called prophets to go and preach His Word. In the olden times, God called men to go to villages and towns and cities to proclaim the Word of God, to speak forth His truth, to speak forth His Word, His instruction, His desires, His commands. What a privilege it is to be called by God to proclaim His Word. What a privilege it is to be called by God to speak His truth, to call people to repentance, to call people to change and be transformed. Bring living Word, living truth to people. And Jonah, a prophet of God. He's been a prophet for a while by the time we meet him in Jonah. We're not exactly sure how long he's preached the Word how long he's been a prophet, but he's been a prophet for some time. Uh, he's gone different places. We, we know one place specifically during the time of uh, King Jeroboam uh, of Israel. He, called, he was called by God to go and, and uh, you know, build, a, build a wall, is what he preached to the king, and they did it. Uh, this isn't the first time, is what I'm getting at, that he was called. And, and God is trusting him. God is calling him. God is going to use him to bring about the will of God in people's lives. Uh, Nineveh, that great city, this is Assyria, modern-day Iraq. It's about 500 miles northeast of Jerusalem. He's called to, uh, we don't know if, if Jonah's in Jerusalem or not, he's from the northern part of the country, northern Israel, the tribe of Zebulun. We don't know if he's living there in Jerusalem, where he's at, but 
Nineveh is a long way off. And the Assyrians are a long way from the Lord. The Assyrians are not Jewish. They're, they're not God's people. They're pagans. They are well known for their wickedness. They're well known for their evil. They're well known for their cruelty and their brutality. Jonah's called to go to this great city. For their evil has come up to me. This gives us a picture, a sense of what God is like. Sometimes we think God is up there somewhere in the heavens and he doesn't deal with the earth anymore. Sometimes we think he's detached, he's uncaring. He's just wound up this world and let it go. And that's not true at all. Our God is present in this world. Our God, his dominion is not only the heavens, but the earth. He takes an interest in this world that he's created, and he takes an interest in people that he's made. He calls Jonah to cry out against the city. In other words, to announce their wickedness, to call them to repentance. The wrath of God is against your sin, Jonah might say. The judgment of God is coming against you, O Ninevites. It's time to repent is the intention of God that Jonah would go call them to change and call them to come to the Lord. Our God, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the beautiful thing about him is he cares about people. He started long ago in the time of Abram and he called Abram to be his witness, to, to be his man, and, and since that time to announce the blessing to the nations all the rebels and all the evildoers and all the wicked people, us, all those who have rebelled against God and don't want to be part of what God's up to, don't want to bow the knee to God, us. God has, through the centuries, through the millennia, has called people back to himself, even Ninevites. God doesn't want anybody to perish but all to come to repentance. What a great God. A God of love. A God of grace. A God of forgiveness. And he calls Jonah to go. Verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. The author, as he's put this together, he uses words and he uses repetition to paint a picture, to tell a story. God said, Arise and go. God said, go east to Nineveh. Jonah goes west. Jonah goes down. Tarshish is a nowhere place. It's the end of the world. Uh, scholars, archaeologists have tried to find it again and again. There's many locations. The best guess is somewhere on the coast of Spain. Spain. 
some 2,000 miles from where Jonah's living. God says, go up, go east, go in my name. Jonah goes down, he descends to Joppa, modern-day Tel Aviv, in that region, the port, and he goes into the boat, he goes down to the boat with the pagans, and he runs away from the presence of God. The presence of God is where you want to be. The presence of God is where we dream of being. The, the kingdom of God one day, we will be present with the Lord by the grace of God. The presence of God is what Adam and Eve experienced before their sin. And when God came into the garden and he found Adam and Eve hiding, he says, where are you? They're hiding from the presence of the Lord. So this picture of running from the presence of the Lord, a picture of distance, of departing, of leaving God's way, leaving God's truth, leaving God's heart. Remember when Abel was killed, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Throughout the scriptures, we see people departing from the presence of the Lord, some willingly, some not so willingly, rebelling against God, hating God, not wanting God to reign over their life. Jonah called to go up, called to walk in the ways of the Lord, called to be his spokesman. Descends into the depths, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah is parting, he's going, he's leaving on the way of death to walk away from God, to disobey God, is the way of destruction and ruin, the way of death. Jonah wants to be invisible, apparently. Jonah wants to be forgotten. Jonah wants to be left alone. Jonah doesn't want anything to do with God's preaching to Tarshish. To, to Tarshish is everywhere. He doesn't want to be a part of what God's doing in the Ninevehs everywhere. He doesn't want the Assyrians to come to repentance. For all that Jonah cares the Assyrians can go to Sheol. He doesn't want them to leave the wrath of God. He wants them to burn. The Assyrians, for many centuries, were the superpower of the ancient Near East. As Russia has invaded Ukraine, the terror of a massive country entering a small country and brutalizing it and stealing its resources. The Syria for centuries was known as the bully on the block. They would uproot whole peoples and send them to different places. They'd steal all the resources. If anybody got in their way, their cruelty was well known. Their tortures were well, well known. Their reputation was, the, was that of a Nazi stormtrooper. Their reputation was, it's all about us, and we will use you to the very end. Perhaps Jonah has been traumatized by the Assyrians. We don't know why he's disobeying God. We don't know why he's refusing to go and obey and preach. Perhaps his family's been hurt by the Assyrians. Perhaps a loved one has been murdered or enslaved by this evil empire. Go to Nineveh? Go to my worst enemy? 
uh, I think I'm going to buy passage on a boat and get out of here. He wants nothing, nothing of God's plans for the Ninevites. He wants nothing, nothing to do with them coming to repentance. God's heart is big for people. God's heart is big for reaching the lost. God's heart is big for bringing people to repentance. And Jonah has departed from that in multiple ways. Physically and spiritually in his heart. We don't know what he's been through. We, we know how people have treated us at times. How people have wrecked us and ruined us. And for us to empathize with them, for us to care for them, for us to love them, <laughs> we can put ourselves probably easily in Jonah's shoes. To work for their good, to seek their welfare, to love them. God, you ask too much. We don't know uh, who the, the target audience of Jonah was, who this book was written to. We obviously assume the Jewish people, the Hebrews, the Israelites. And maybe God uh, brought this inspired writing to the nation of Israel because they were, they were not being that kingdom of priests that God blessed them with, that, that responsibility. They were not being the, the light on the hill, the city on the hill that the world needed to see. They were not being that, that nation that he brought to himself so that they could go to the world and tell the world of a great God and call the world to repentance. Perhaps during this time, uh, maybe it's the 8th century B.C., maybe Israel was just like Jonah. Let them taste the wrath of God. We're done. We're God's people. We're safe. We'll just, let's just huddle in. Let's just pull in and let the world fall apart. Let the world get what they deserve. And so maybe Israel was running from God. Maybe Israel had departed from God's plans and purposes and they were living for themselves. <clears throat> the problem with running from God is you can't. Can you go from the presence of the Lord? Is there anywhere you can go where the Lord is not? If you go to the heavens, He's there. If you go down to Sheol, He's there. There's nowhere you can go that God is not. He's spirit. You cannot leave the Lord's presence. You cannot escape His loving, gracious, wonderful, almighty, holy presence. Jonah's badly mistaken if he thinks... He can live without God in this world. He's badly mistaken if he thinks he can, as one of God's people, ignore God, rebel against God, reject God. <clears throat> no. So Jonah runs, but he runs in foolishness. Jonah runs, he departs, he descends, he goes down. He leaves the path of life. Though he thinks he's doing right. Brothers and sisters, have you been running from God? Have, has God called you to, to be something or do something in this world? Has God called us as a church to be his ambassadors and his spokesmen and his preachers? And we've told God no. 
Have we looked at the world around us and have we said, they, they get what they deserve, they've made their bed, let them lie in it. I don't want anything to do with those people anymore. I wash my hands of them. Could we be the target audience for the author of the book of Jonah? Could he be bringing us to see Jonah and see ourselves in the mirror? Have you lost compassion for people? Have you lost God's heart for people? Have you said, no, I'm done with them. They can go to Sheol. Well, what happens with Jonah? How does it work out for Jonah? Verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled their cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise! Call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us a thought <clears throat> that we may not perish. And they, they, they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? Of what people are you? And pause there again. So the picture, the, 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 the imagery that we're given, God hurled, some of you played baseball before, hurled a baseball he hurled a great wind upon the sea. He hurled a storm upon the sea. The almighty sovereign God. You can't get away from him. He's in control of the heavens and the earth. The Ruach. The breath of God. The great wind. In Genesis 1, the breath of God. The wind of God hovered over the waters. The breath of God, the wind of God in Ezekiel 37 where the dry bones, the breath breathes, and life comes. Here that same word is used in a different, different sense, but the same life-giving presence of God is there. The wind comes, the breath, the Spirit of God comes. God is present, God is moving, God is working in Jonah's life through a storm. It threatens to kill everybody. God moving, God acting to bring about His will. You know, in Romans, uh, there is the truth preached to those who rebel against God, the, the, the lost, the unbelievers, the pagans. Over and over again, we, we see them departing from God, even though they got the testimony in the sky that God is great. All God's divine attributes are on display. And even with the new telescope, we see more and more of the glory of God. And yet people keep departing from God, keep rebelling against God. And the unbelievers, the, one of the scariest verses in the Bible comes in Romans 1, where, where God says, 
I let them go. I let them go the way of death. I let them go into their sexual immorality. I let them go into their idolatry. I let them go into their wickedness. But praise God for those who are His people. He does not let them go. Praise God for His people. When we get out of our mind with grief or we get out of our mind with life's struggles and, and we wonder where God is, we think about leaving Him, thank God He holds on to us. He keeps His covenant promises with His people. He never lets us go. He sends His breath. He sends His hand of love. He sends people to support us and rally around us to call us back. As a father, he disciplines those whom he loves. He does whatever it takes to keep us close. Jonah is out of his mind with rage or anger or grief or trauma, and he doesn't know what he's doing, apparently. God's not going to let him go. Praise God that he sends the storms. Praise God that he sends the grace that we need to be saved again and again and again, to be held again and again and again, to be brought back home. The, threatened, the, the sailors are threatened, of course. They, they, they've been on this boat so long. The, the, the ship to Tarshish is apparently pretty big, and uh, when, when a storm like this comes, they, they know they're in trouble. And Jonah, <clears throat> in the midst of this storm, the, the, the contrast of, of them hurling out their cargo. God's hurled out his storm, and now they're hurling out their cargo. They, they're, they're making good decisions, even though they're pagans, and Jonah's contrasted with them. The first thing they do when the storm comes, they pray. They pray to God, and then they take action. You know, sometimes we as people, when trouble comes into our life, what, what do we do? We... We take action first and we try to do everything on our own power, everything on our own strength to figure it out. And then we go to God if everything else fails. Here are these men, these sailors, these pagans. They call out to their gods first. I wonder why God, um, why, why Jonah is, is in, the, in the boat sleeping and he's not calling out to his God. They, 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 they take life seriously. They're, they're, they're seeking life over cargo. I mean, they, they seem to have their values in place. And, and Jonah is descending down away from God. He doesn't have his values in place. They're doing everything they can to save the ship and save one another. And the captain goes down into the hold. He knows he's got a passenger. And where'd he go? What's happened to him? He went way down into the depth of the ship. Apparently, his conscience isn't tweaking him. His conscience isn't you know, causing him problems at this point because he's fast asleep. As life is falling apart, as death is coming, Jonah is okay with that. And the captain comes and, and he says, Arise! What are you doing? Get up, in other words. So God comes to Jonah in the captain because the captain says the same thing that God said to Jonah in the beginning. God said, arise, and, and the captain says, arise. Jonah was called to go call the, the, the Ninevites to repent, and the captain is calling Jonah to repent. 
Jonah's message to the Ninevites was, hey, repent and, and, and maybe God will spare you. Maybe God will forgive you. And, and the captain's saying to Jonah, hey, maybe if we call on God, we find the right God, we find out who's doing this, maybe he'll spare us. And so the prophet is being preached to. And again, you wonder about the, the audience that was supposed to hear this. <laughs> the godly people, the ones who know the way of God. Are they acting like atheists? Are they acting like agnostics? Are they acting like people who don't have a God? How terrible that would be if people who claim to be walking with God and the last thing they ever think about or the last relationship they, they ever invest in or spend time with is God himself. And so it's quite a picture of Jonah asleep while the ship is about to sink. And so the, the, uh, the, the captain calls him out. But does Jonah pray? No. Does Jonah repent? No. Does Jonah give a rip? No. He's consigned himself apparently to death. He doesn't want any, he, he just, you just wonder what happened to him and why he's so angry. And yet God keeps coming. He comes to Jonah and the mariners. He comes to Jonah and the sailors and they're doing everything they can. They're, they're trying to save themselves. But then in verse 7, they, they say, come, let's cast lots. And we know on whose account this evil has come upon us. And so, I don't know, there, there's different ways of doing lots. You could do the short straw, the long straw. You could have the colored rock, a bunch mixed the uh, non-colored rocks. Somehow, the, whatever they're using, the lot falls to Jonah. And now they're thinking, oh. You see, what, what they're thinking of it in the ancient days Right? The, the polytheism of the day. The, there's many gods that you have to appease. They, they weren't really in a relationship of grace with their gods. The, the people grew up fearful of the gods, fearful of what they could do. The gods were capricious. The gods were angry. The gods weren't kind. And, and so you just had to figure out how to, how to work life around them and give them sacrifices, give them offerings, give, give them what they need to make them let you live life and bless your crops or bless your family. And, and so they're, they're asking, which God is this? Let's, let's do lots to figure out maybe one of us has offended one of our gods. And God works through that superstitious manner of casting lots. Now, in the Old Testament, there's many places where lots are used. But it's always God that does it, not the lot. God points out Jonah, and it's a gift of grace again. Jonah just wants to be left alone. Jonah wants to die, but God is working behind the scenes, calling the prophet who's he, whom he's called to go to come back to him so he can go again. And so they, the, the, the sailors come and they start questioning Jonah. <laughs> and whose words are these? Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you? And so Jonah, the one who grew up, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a godly man, a, a, a lover of Yahweh, a, a one who kept God's word, one who identified as, as a man of God, he's being questioned by these pagans. Who are you? Who do you represent? Where do you come from? 
God is using the mariners to get Jonah thinking again. How did I get here? Where am I? Who am I? God is so patient and so gracious, even in the midst of a tempest, even in the midst of a storm, God's making Jonah think. Now, the, the, I'm sure the questions by the mariners is the storm's raging, the boat's about to fall apart, they're about to die. They're not being kind in these words. Come on, who are you? Tell us, the lot fell to you. Who are you? Maybe there's a few slaps in there. Maybe there was a few choice curse words in there. You have something to do with this, don't you? Tell us, who are you? And so Jonah is put on the spot. Jonah has to decide who he is. Jonah has to declare who he is. They've called him out. God's called him out. In verse 9, And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, now isn't that a remarkable statement? I fear the Lord. I wonder if that moment, if heaven laughed. Jonah, do you really fear the Lord as you're rebelling against the Lord? Do you really, are you really a worshiper of God if your behavior says that you're not worshiping God? In the Old Testament, this fear is one of the elements of what it means to worship God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord in Proverbs is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Israelites prided themselves in fearing the Lord, and they called Gentiles to repent and become God-fearers. An awe of God, not, not a terror of God or necessarily afraid of God, but an awe of God, the great God, Yahweh, the Lord. <laughs> and and it, it just... It's just so ironic that here's a man saying, I fear the Lord, when he doesn't. He uses uh, Yahweh, the Lord, but then he explains, because these people don't know who the Hebrews are, apparently. They don't know the God of Israel. And so, oh, the Lord, who is he? He's the God of heaven. He's the God who made the land and the sea. He's, in other words, the one who sent the storm. We uh, <laughs> know that these, these kind of questions coming towards us, uh, the original audience, Israel, uh, was God questioning, um, do you really live the way that you say you are? Not only that, but, you know, is, is he saying to Israel, like, as the world's going to hell, are you asleep, Israel? As the world's falling apart, are are, are Oh, church, are, are you going down in, the, in the, your safe place, your comfortable place? Are you ignoring all the lives that are broken and all the lives that need to hear the gospel of God? Are, are, are you asleep, church? Or church, are, are, are you proclaiming one thing? You know, we sing beautiful songs. We love to sing, but do our lives match our song? Our creeds are strong and our, our statement of faith, you know, the, we, we, we put together words in such beautiful ways and our doctrine might be strong in our minds, but does our life match our doctrine, or is there a gap? Do we say much truth, and yet our lives preach another message? Is it all about us, 
or is it about the glory of God? I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord. And boy, this, this, this message coming to us, the Word of God coming to us, it causes us to ask the question, do I fear the Lord? Am I a worshiper of Jesus? Am I a follower of Jesus or not? Maybe there was a time I wanted to be. Maybe there was a time that I, I hoped to be. Maybe there was a time that I would give my life for Jesus. But have I drifted into the doldrums of life? Have I, have I come to a place of complacency in my life where I'm no longer following Jesus, where I'm no longer obeying God, where I'm no longer walking in His ways? Have I come to the point in my life of just going through the motions, of being happy with a bumper sticker, being happy with some nice Christian art in my home. But if anybody really looked at my life, would they see me living for Jesus? Would they see me living for myself? This Jonah-esque problem has plagued the people of God for centuries. Claiming one thing, but being something else. Could it be that we need to repent? Could it be that we need to wake up? Could it be that we need to get back in God's path? Walking where God tells us to go. Doing what God tells us to do. Instead of living for self. It's so easy to be lulled in this life. Lulled by this culture, lulled by the society. It's always preaching to us, telling us what we need and what, how we should live and who we should be. And we say, yeah, I'm a Christian and I can have my cake too. Or maybe I, I can live in this culture and maybe sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on top and nobody will know we're all good. Or could it be that we need to repent? and turn our life back over to the Lord. Verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, see, the tension's building. They were afraid when the storm came. Now they're exceedingly afraid. They find out what's happening and that God, the God of the heaven is standing against them. What is this you have done? Who's asking that question? <laughs> through, the, through the lips and the mouths of the mariners, what is this you have done, God says to Jonah? For our sin affects other people always. We say, oh, I can do what I want. It's not going to affect anybody. That's a lie. Every sin we commit has an impact on our family, on our relationships, on our business partners. Unless you live on an island somewhere all alone, the mariners' lives have been put into danger because of Jonah's selfishness and his rebellion. What is this you've done? We cannot start walking away from God. We cannot descend into the darkness. We cannot go down away from God without taking others with us. What is this you have done? Don't ever think that your sin is alone. Don't ever think that your sin is just affecting you that your walking away from God doesn't affect someone else. For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. 
because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temptuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, and the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord! Isn't it ironic that the prophet is running away from God and he ends up around pagans, and yet the pagans are now praying to his God when he refuses to pray? God works in mysterious ways, does he not? O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. As the storm grew, the men's fear grew, but the men's fear didn't reach its peak, its climax, until they understood who God was. When they saw God control the sea, the miracle of calming that mass of waves, just stopping it on a dime, then they knew what to fear. There's a lot of fearful things in this life, but there's only one thing to fear. Yahweh. God's almighty power and His almighty will rule this world. He is the one to be fearful of. And yet, He is the God of grace. He is the God of love. He is the God of reaching out and bringing in. He's the God of rescue and the God of salvation. He's the God of forgiveness and mercy. He's the God who saves. The men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Isn't that incredible? Jonah, man, he, say, he, he, he admits his guilt. He says, it's because of me. I, I know it. It's because of me. But he doesn't repent. He, he doesn't call out to God. He says, I know what you should do. You see, he wants to get away from God at any, any price, any cost, and he, he even is willing to give up his life, not for the sake of the mariners. I, 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 maybe, maybe, he, maybe he does care for them a little bit. Maybe God's grace is breaking through. Maybe his, his chaos of his mind, maybe there's some clarity, and he does see the men's life at risk, and maybe he is coming to the point of, wanting to do something, but his, his motive is to get away from the Lord at any cost. And so he, he says, kill me. Throw me over the side and that will end it. I, I, I read that and I say, well, why, why, Jonah, do you put that on their backs? Why don't you just jump over the side yourself? Why do you put them in the position of guilt? Why do you put them in the position of shame? Why do you put them in the position of wondering if God's going to judge them for throwing you over. But the sailors, man, rolls have switched. And again, God is preaching to the Israelites and He's preaching to us. Man, there's people out in the world that love so much better than Israel. There's people out in the world that love so much better than the church. To our great shame. 
We stand apart from the world and we say, you don't get the gospel. We're keeping that for ourselves. You don't hear the truth. We're not preaching. We don't want to go there. We don't want to be risky uh, in terms of you rejecting us. We don't want to be hurt by you. We're, we're, we just want to be safe. And so, and yet the mariners, they're like, okay, we know how to stop the storm, but let's try one more, let's try one more time to save Jonah. The one who's responsible for their demise, the one who's responsible for their, their lives being threatened, they say, Let, let's, let's try to get them to dry ground. Let's try. And wow, the one who should have God's heart is selfishly seeking to end his life. And, and these mariners who just were going about their day were thrown into chaos. They're trying to save Jonah. <laughs> they're, they're loving him. They're loving someone who doesn't deserve it. That's called grace. They're, they're seeking to benefit someone who doesn't deserve it, who hasn't earned it. That's the mission of the church. As God has graced us, as God has loved us, as God has given us so much blessing and so much favor that we never deserved, He sends us out into the world to love people, to serve people, to bring the gospel to people, to, to tell them that there's a God that they're offending and they need to repent. And that God will, if they turn to God, He'll forgive them and reconcile them and bring them to Himself. He, he's loved us. He's blessed us to be a blessing. He's, he, he's come to seek and save the lost, us, and now He sends us to save lives, to transform lives, to um, see God's gospel heard and received, disciples made. And, and, and here the, the lost are shaming the saved. The Lord won't have it. He's, yeah, he probably appreciates the mariner's heart, but the, the storm rages more and more, and so they have no choice. And what do they do? Jonah won't pray to God, but they will. And they say, first time out of their lips, they've never heard the name Yahweh before, but they say, oh Lord, <laughs> have mercy on us. We think we have to throw this guy over. We think it's the only answer. And so if it's, it's wrong, please have mercy on us. They're pushed against the wall. They don't know what to do, so they, they throw them over. And then they really, they really, their hearts really turn because they offer sacrifices. In other words, they sacrifice sacrifices and they vow vows. They're, they're, they, they immediately worship God. Jonah, in the whole time in the ship, he's never worshiped God. He wants nothing more to do with God. He washes his hands of God. And yet here these pagans, they, they start to worship God and they, they promise future worship. Right At a wedding, vows are promises that the husband and wife make to future love. At a wedding, uh, the, the husband and wife make promises of future grace towards one another and future connectivity towards one another. They, they, they promise a covenant to death to his part. And these, these mariners, they, they, whatever sacrifices, I don't think they had bulls or sheep or whatever on the ship, but they sacrificed what they have and they said, and we're going to follow you even after we get off this boat. So Jonah went over the side, and certainly they think he's drowning. They, th they certainly think he's dead. But God's grace is greater. Our foolishness, our wickedness, our selfishness, God's grace is greater. So verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God sent the prophet, but the prophet refused to go. God sent the storm, 
God sent the mariners. God sent the lot. God sent a fish. You can't get away from the Lord's presence. The way from the Lord's presence is death. God doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance, and that includes the rebels and the sinners like Jonah, like us. Turn back to the Lord if you're walking down into the darkness today. If you've been rebelling against God or saying no to God and His commandments, repent. Turn back and start obeying the Lord again. If you've gone to another God or you've created an idol in your life that's getting more worship than God, repent. Get rid of that idol and come back to the Lord. He's never going to depart you. He's never going to forsake you. He's never going to leave you. Come back while there's still time. Come back to the path of life. The life with God. And when you come back to His path and you start walking in His ways, amazing things will happen because God will use you for His glory and His praise. And lives will be changed. Please stand in the Lord's presence. Next week, we will start with verse 17 move into chapter 2. What was Jonah's response to the grace of God? Heavenly Father, we're grateful that you've called us yours. We're graceful, grateful that you approached us in love, even though we didn't deserve it. We're grateful that you let us hear the gospel from someone's lips. We're thankful that you sent people to call us to repent, call us to change our ways, and called us to come to you. But God Almighty, may you be gracious with us again and kind to us again and, and send us out once again, Lord, as your church, as your ambassadors, as your people. Lord, we humbly ask to be back in your gracious ways, in your presence. Give us the grace and the power to be obedient to you and to serve you the rest of our days. For you are worthy, Lord. Lord God, we look around our community and we look around our, our town and we look around our valley and we see people far from you, people who are facing the wrath of God people facing condemnation, and Lord, may you give us the eyes to see them as you see them. May we go to them in love, and may we go to them in mercy, and may we go to them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and may they turn to you, repent, and be saved. Send us, Lord. Be glorified, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, 
took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.